Welcome to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Steps Magazine. With such a big week in the world of Nintendo, who else could we get on the pod but the CEO and head muckety-muck of Game Explain, Andre Seegers. When we recorded the show, the Super Mario Brothers movie had just broken the $500 million mark, and that's with it still having not opened in Japan or Korea. We have a spoiler-filled discussion of the movie, although really is there really that much to discuss on a fairly straightforward movie. Andre loves the movie. I was slightly less enthusiastic, but still overall positive about it. We talk about the animation, the voices, uh, some of the criticisms that people have levied at the movie, mainly non-video game fan critics. Uh, Andre does not really have a great deal of time for them, although I tried to play devil's advocate on some of them. We also talked about the new Zelda trailer for Tears of the Kingdom that just came out the day before we recorded. We talked about some of the stuff that was in that trailer, the plot, things that may or may not be happening in the thing, the game mechanics, some references to some of the earlier trailers, especially about gameplay. We also talked about some various other... We talked about Andre going to the new Nintendo World theme park in California. He hasn't been to the one in Japan yet. We also ended with a discussion of maybe Andre's least favorite video game ever, Paper Mario Sticker Star, which he famously hated when it came out 10 years ago. And I was one of the people who was pushing him to replay it on the Game Explained stream last winter for its 10th anniversary. And we find out shockingly that Andre does not hate the game as much as he did the first time around. And we talk about maybe some of the reasons why. It was a huge, busy week for Andre, so I'm really glad he made the time to come on and do the show with us. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Winter Palace. It's been a big week for Nintendo, so we're happy to welcome back Game Explains Andre Seegers to chat about it. So, Saturday Supercade. No, no, no. <laughs> no we're, going, we're going to talk about the Super Mario movie and the Zelda trailer, maybe get into the theme park which you've been to, and whatever else we may have time for. I'm excited. I can't wait to talk about all of that. So I saw I had pulled up Box Office Mojo. We are recording this Friday afternoon for Timestamp, but I was looking at Box Office Mojo, and it said the worldwide gross at this point was $437 million. But I saw that you tweeted just before we started that somebody said it had passed 500 already. Yeah, apparently, I guess based on the latest, I haven't had too much of a chance to fully look into it, but I guess based on the the worldwide and domestic box office totals, is now past half a billion dollars, like literally right before we did record this, this discussion, and uh, that's amazing. Like, it's already the number one video game movie of all time based on that. Well, it's, yeah, it's funny, the, like I said, this is Box Office Mojo as we record Friday afternoon, and it's 250 domestic. 186 international, 437 worldwide, and when we say that, it hasn't even opened in Japan yet. <laughs> right. So, it's hard to imagine this thing certainly won't get to a billion, I would assume, and is probably will be closing in already for the top grossing movie of the year behind your 
beloved Avatar 2. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah, it's, I, it, this is a good time to be me, let me tell you. my Two of my favorite movies are like doing amazing at the box office. Avatar is still showing in theaters. And uh, yeah, this is great. So, um, And you're right. like It hasn't opened in Japan or Korea. And that is amazing. The fact that it's already done half a billion in, in what, I think eight days uh, is incredible. So I, basically at this point, a billion dollars is a lock. Like it would have to fall off a cliff for that not to happen. Um, and that's absurd that Mario has been so successfully adapted, uh, adapted, adapted for the screen. So, yeah, I, um, you've obviously been effusive of your praise. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little, a little under you, although I did really enjoy it. I guess the first thing, there will be spoilers, although, I mean, you know, it's not like this is, uh, you know, some sort of Charles Dickens plot that you need notes to keep track of. It's, you know, <laughs> I mean, I was saying this to somebody. It's like, you know, Pixar makes animated films for adults that are complex and some require you to pay close attention. Uh, this is a movie for kids. So, I mean, it does not have the most Byzantine plot. No, it, it is simple and uh, on the surface, although I do think there's a little bit more to it than it sometimes gets credit for, including for myself. Like, what? Uh, let me just real quick. How many times have you watched it, Mark? Just once? Just once. Okay, yeah, you're probably, your complaints probably line up with mine uh, on the first viewing, but when I saw it again, I'm like, you know what? It actually works even better the second time because you know what you expect. It's not like you're not feeling sensory overload of how much there is going on in this movie, and I thought it just worked better. Now, with that being said, of course, the plot still wasn't as, you know, uh, Cam- uh, ha- uh, Hamlet or any number of uh, <laughs> other like you know deep films, but um, you know I don't think it needed to be. I think it knew what I think it knew what it was aiming for, which is like this heartfelt fun adventure, and that's all I wanted too. You know, like I don't know exactly what I wanted, but I think that was it. It's like I I didn't need um you know a Pixar level emotional traumatic experience, and to be honest, I feel like Pixar's kind of fallen off. Um, I don't, I, it's hard to explain why, but I had so much more fun at this movie than I have had at a Pixar film in probably over 10 years. No, I, I would agree that I think one Pixar, you know, again, this is probably a function of being, you know, Disney that it seems like there's too much Pixar content that yeah. when we used to get maybe when it was like one team and I say this uh, having friends that work at Pixar so I'm not trying to like take food off their table but it's like you know in the beginning when we got maybe one film every couple years maybe mm-hmm. when you had like one team working on it and you know if you make one film every 3 years as opposed to say two films a year there's right. you know there's probably going to be some level of of drop-off and uh yeah it's i mean i don't know what the last pixar film i actually even it may have been it may have honestly been like the second incredibles movie oh well like, a while ago now yeah i mean i don't i mean i may have like perused i mean especially now that they're on you can now watch them all on streaming so like, i may have like dipped in debt dipped in and out but like i don't think i saw the last Toy Story movie and a lot of like the more original stuff hasn't really floated my boat. It's just, I mean, again, not taking away from the quality. It's just like, like, especially, you know, before when you still had to go to the theater, it was like, you know, do I really want to spend 10, $20 on 
like, yes, Pixar is a brand quality, and you're not going to probably be disappointed, but, like, if it doesn't appeal to you on the surface, you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's one yeah, thing when I, it's one thing when I was a film critic and it was my job and I saw everything, but it's like when you got to be a little more picky, you know, right. especially nowadays. Yeah, but, no, you're, but I, you're right. And that's, and that kind of sticks to, I guess, uh, I mean, it's, it's a slightly different issue, but you know, with them adapting an IP, it, it, you kind of have some idea of what to expect going in, or at least, you know, you hope you would. And that's something that Pixar, you know, it, for most of their movies being original projects, they don't have that inherent leg up on people, except when they're making a sequel, like with Cars or Toy Story, of course. Um, but with that being said, though, you know, make, adapting an IP isn't just a, you know, it's a, it's not a simple process. You can't just hit a button and make it happen. Like, I see, I see a lot of people refer to the Mario movie as safe, and I don't fully understand, like, what that means. I guess it's inoffensive, maybe. Um, but it's like, you know, if it were so safe, how come Hollywood didn't figure this out over the past 30 years of any of the other video game adaptations that were terrible? It's like, no, they finally actually did take some risks by Nintendo standards, especially. You know, they gave Mario and the crew a personality. They realized this world in a way that somehow narratively makes sense when, you know, there's barely a narrative in the games. And it's just a really fun ride the entire time. So, yeah, I mean, it may not be risky in the sense that it's not plumbing, so to speak, like the emotional depths of a typical um, or the most well-known Pixar films or or, you know, other quote-unquote cinema experiences. Um, but, it, I, again, it knew exactly what it was. It was just a ton of fun, and it was so beautiful to see. It's so fun and just beautiful to see Mario realized in a way that it seemed like the creators understood him. And it's probably because, partially because they had Nintendo's involvement as well, which is why it's taken so long for this movie to be realized, because they announced this back in, I think it was, what, 2015, 2016, maybe concretely in 2017, I forget, it was years and years ago, and the fact that we're only now finally seeing it, rather than being it churned out in record time, really speaks a lot to, I think, the mindset that went into uh, making it. Well, see, you don't need emotional plumbing when you've got real plumbing. Exactly, exactly, Mark. <laughs> but, I mean, when you say, like, this argument about being safe, it's like, well, one, you don't really need, I don't think you would necessarily go to like even marry a video game is for like painting much outside the lines. It's like, yes, a variety of plot would be nice, but it's, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, we don't need angsty Mario, <laughs> right. you know, con we get the, it's funny cause we get those little snippets with the, uh, with the, with the Lumi. Uh, the, oh, the Lumi Lee. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, which apparently was like played by one of the director's daughters, which is really funny. She did so great. But yeah, I mean that's like sort of, and that's almost like poking fun at that convention that you were talking about. Yeah, and but, you know what? That's actually a great example because I feel like that—that's even more clever than he gets full credit for. But yeah, like that—that's a character that subverts your ex expectations. You have this borderline suicidal, uh, cute character, you know, which you, when you'd expect him to be happy, if not from the games, just in appearance. But then, you know, it does, it works on another level too, because if you're familiar with Mario, which not everyone is, of course, so I think most people are on some, to some level, even if not Mario Galaxy. But if you play the games, you know that the Luma's entire existence or purpose is to turn into something else. They basically kill themselves in the games to turn into a star or planet or something, some other celestial object. So when you realize that, you, it even works on that level too. It's like, oh, of course it wants to die, but it, that's how it proceeds to its next stage of life. Um, so it's just really clever, I think, and something that might have been missed on some critics. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. If you have a mainstream critic who basically, you know, knows the broad strokes of Mario, there may be some, 
you know, they're not going to, again, uh, I think this is something you guys have pointed out in a couple of different videos. I mean, there's like a hundred Easter eggs in this movie oh, and like, yeah. and like a hundred, was it like 150 musical stings yep. from various games in it? So it's, yeah, obviously, I think if you're a, your, your average critic, you're watching it and you're like, okay, you may recognize the Mario theme because it's been around for 30 years or whatever. You know, and, but, you know, if you're, if you don't know the, the depths of like Mario continuity, like the fact that you get Luigi in like the haunted house section and it's like, you don't need to know that like dry bones are a regular Mario character. It's like, right. it makes sense. You've seen the, tur- you know, you've seen Koopas already in the movie. These are like zombie Koopas. It's like, right, and exactly. they're doing a hard haunted house scene. You don't. It's nice if you know the thing, the plot, or the reference, but it doesn't, it shouldn't affect your viewing either way. The big thing about this movie, like you said, the, I think we, I, the, I don't know if there was much deviation from the plot from basically what we had seen in all the trailers. I think we sort of like knew, we basically knew all the story beats as right. it were. But, uh, the other big thing that people were talking about before the movie was the cast. Yep. And to me, it seemed fu- like everybody was fine. You know, again, you're not, you know, you're you're not necessarily looking for like depths of emotional acting for these characters. So, you know, there were a couple. You know, probably, you know, Jack Black probably had like the most emotional range of anybody. But, you know, being sort of like manic depressive Bowser. Yeah, right. But. Uh, uh, you know, the big thing was like, was Chris, you know, people bring probably their own personal feelings about Chris Pratt yeah. into being Mario, but it's like, yes, I mean, he was fine. Yes, he's not video game Mario because video game Mario says, you know, 10 words in the whole game. <laughs> right. You over know I mean? and over. <laughs> right. Just a lot of that same word. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought to me that my favorite thing was whoever did the voice of Kamek making him have like this sort of creepy Peter Lorre psych mid scientist sidekick voice. That was such a great realization because yeah, you know, most of the other cast had like some baseline to work off of from the games, maybe barring Donkey Kong and Cranky, but you know, we had heard Mario, Luigi, Bowser, of course, we had some idea of what to expect. Kamek was almost an open book though. And they nailed it. Like, it's like, yeah, that's, that's now Kamek to me. I can't imagine Kamek talking any other way. And, uh, yeah, that was a great performance. That was a fun surprise. But, yeah, and everybody else I thought was, you know, like I said, overall, I don't, I didn't have any, I don't, the only problem I had, and we've talked about this online already, is that what I, and you'll appreciate this because I know you're a fan, what I would call the Shrekification of animated films, Mm -hmm. where you have to stick in pop songs that, like, to me, I don't, they didn't hurt anything, and they're kind of cute. And I do like that if you're going to have them, having them be like 80s songs for Mario, right. you know, being like an 80s video game. I like that worked. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, it's like I could have easily just had this movie be, you know, various riffs on Nintendo themes, and I would have been fine. I didn't need to hear... Beastie Boys or AHA or ACDC in this Super Mario movie. But yeah, that's, no, I, that's a nitpick. 
Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, we've heard now on the soundtrack, too, that apparently there were original compositions made for those sequences. And some people have already slotted in into, you know, I'm guessing pirated footage from the movie. And you can see how or hear how it, you know, sounds by comparison. Um, I will say, Mark, like, I'm completely biased in this sense now, in the sense that, like, I will, de- I can defend almost every decision made in this movie. <laughs> because, like, I had to say, the, watched, the first time I watched it, I found it a little jarring. It's like, it's weird hearing this, you know, real life music. Uh, coming from the Mario, you know, from Mario's universe. Um, but then I watched it again. I'm like, you know what? I actually kind of, I actually really appreciate like what they add to it. Like the first time I heard, uh, uh, was it? I need a, I need a hero or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, it took me out of it because I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I, heard, I had heard it in Shrek. It's actually been used a lot recently. I also heard it in the Tetris movie just a couple weeks ago. And it felt like, I don't know. It, again, it felt a little jarring, felt a little out of place. And I'm like, did they earn it? But it's not like really at the climax of the movie where I'm used to hearing it. It's like at the, not even a halfway point. It's like the like end of the first third or opening of the second uh, third, maybe, and where we just see Mario training. But I watched it again. Like this is actually it actually works really well. I think it's timed well. It's it's funny. It complements the action, and I think that's why I actually kind of like the pop music because um, one, I like the thematic tie, as you mentioned, you it, it being the '80s, you know, where Mario originally came from, and even in universe, we see Mario is apparently a fan of the '80s because he is playing an NES. Um, but I like too that it uh. It helps, like, um, it, I feel like it almost adds to the humor. Like, in the Donkey Kong sequence, uh, we see, like, a, uh, we see Swanky Kong, like, wipe out a banana and explode and possibly die. And it's actually really funny to that, to take, having take on the play during it. Whereas with the more atmospheric soundtrack that they had composed, I feel like it undermines, like, it takes away from the humor that they were aiming for a little bit. And I think also, too, it draws, it, 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 they only have that much licensed music too. Like I expected worse based on some of the early, uh, or based on it being an Illumination film. Um, but I think it almost like lets the Mario music stand out even more when it is used, which is most of the rest of the movie. Like the, the basically the entire final twenty minutes of the movie is all Mario music, and that's awesome. So, yeah, like you said, I would call it a nitpick. Right. That, like yeah, I get it's that. not it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's you know, and again, I like the eighties theme, like. Had the movie ended, you know, like had our post-credits song been like, you know, Taylor Swift or, you know, somebody, you know, some pop star that I don't know, you know, then that would have been a little, that would have been a little weird. Or if it would have been like if Peach had been played by, you know, like Lady Gaga or something, and then there was a Lady Gaga song over the end credits. Right. You know, then that would have been, that would have been probably more annoying than, like I said, the, the the retro thing fits for me. So, and again, you know, it is you know funny to watch them, you know, going through Brooklyn and hearing Beastie Boys in the background, you know, <laughs> right. But yeah. Yeah, as a, I guess the question would be, do you think they've already got something already in the works now, and they're just going to wait to announce it off the? this huge success they're having. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'd be shocked if they don't already have something lined up. I mean, they probably already had, I would be, I mean, they probably have already discussed what could be next, but if they haven't already finalized those plans or been working toward it. I would be shocked. I believe there are rumblings that I think universe or universal is having a, uh, I think it, it, I think they're the host or the part of it being a Cinecon or something. I don't know. I don't. I you know I don't follow the movie space all that closely. But there's some like cinematic convention coming up or something where it's rumored that they could be announcing 
you know, uh, a successor to this or, you know, whatever their next Nintendo collaboration is. And I believe that's at the end of the month or closer to it. So I think that's when we'll get the official, you know, the official announcement like, hey, yeah, we are making something. This movie's a ridiculous success. And, uh, I can't wait for that because Matt, I want a sequel so bad or in some other kind of spinoff from Nintendo. But I think at this point, I want, especially, you know, with the post-credits tease, I need my sequel now. <laughs> well, it's the thing where even, you know, a, a conservative company like Nintendo, I think, had to know that this movie would, it would have been hard for me to imagine this movie being a flop, quote unquote. So it's almost like, I know they must have had plans for something, but it's certainly been a bigger, I think it's been a bigger hit than I think probably even like you would have expected at this point. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I, I've gone, I've kind of gone back and forth on how well I thought I would do. It's like, well, you know, I, it could do over a billion, but then you look at how impossible that seems given all the other video game adaptations, none of which ever even reached half a billion dollars. But now, like, you look back and Mario's done in eight freaking days. It's like, my God, like, how, how did, you know, how did we not see this coming? You know, like, how was it not a foregone conclusion? But I think it really does speak to just, um, I mean, one, obviously the strength of the Mario IP, like even with Nintendo faltering, what, you know, seven, eight years ago with the Wii U and 3DS, um, it's like the Mario IP has survived so much more than that. And, uh, and also that Illumination truly made a great film. Even if it didn't resonate with critics or a lot of them, it doesn't matter. It's resonating with audiences and it has great word of mouth. I think it has like a 90%, uh, 96%, uh, like approval rating around tomatoes for audiences. And it's like, yeah, Illumination knew what they were doing in this case, along with Nintendo. And, uh, that's just really fun to see, and I'm glad it's a success so we can get those sequels or those more Nintendo adaptations. But, Mark, I mean, you're, you're like myself, we're both, you know, on the older end of the spectrum when it comes to being Nintendo fans. And, like, I don't know, you know, how much you cared personally, but, like, I've been waiting my entire life for, like, something like this. You know, because we had the 93 movie, not very good. It's kind of fun in an ironic sense, but it's really not a good movie, <laughs> despite some recent attempts at salvaging its reputation. So to see Mario finally realize on the big screen, like in this way, just makes me so happy and that it is resonating with audiences. See, I'm not like, I've never been like a Nintendo person, even though, uh, like, if I actually stop to think about it, it's like I had an original NES, although admittedly I was like 15 when I got it, so I was not a child. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, and I had a Game Boy and had a 3DS and I have a Switch. Oh, I had, I have, I had a Wii and this, you're going to love this. I never really liked the Wii because I did not like the remote. Like, for whatever whatever reason, I did not like playing with the Wii mote. So it was like, I only got a couple games for it. And then it just basically, you know, it's still somewhere in the house collecting dust. Whereas, you know, I still play my Dreamcast, so it's kind of... <laughs> hey, well, Dreamcast is a great console, so Crazy Taxi, uh, some of the Amigo. Well, the funny, we probably have discussed this before, but, like, I have a Japanese Dreamcast, and I basically only had it in the late 90s to play Japanese wrestling games, which is what I was stream when I was streaming for a while earlier, or, uh, or last year, when I started trying to stream, that's what I was streaming. So, like... It's funny, I can't even play American games on my Dreamcast without doing, like, weird mod things to it. Or, I mean, I don't think that... No, I was going to say, PlayStation was the thing where you popped the top and then quickly tried to switch the discs or had the Game Shark thing. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's cool that... Uh, 
that they, they, they finally done a good movie. It's like and we we joked about Saturday Supercade, but that was like the first Mario cartoon in like 1985, and he wasn't even the star of the cartoon. Donkey Kong's the star of the cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's like it's Donkey Kong, Mario, and Pauline doing, and Pauline's blonde, which is now kind of weird to watch. And you're like, yeah, you know, like I now think of Pauline the way she is now, right? Like as a mayor, you know? Yeah. But like as a brunette or a redhead, whatever, whichever shade of color that is. But you know, like you said, then we had like you know we had Captain Lou as Mario. We've had Bob. But it's funny. I don't know if I sent this to you. I think I did. But on last week, because it was Easter, somebody had posted a picture of Bob Hoskins in The Long Good Friday, mm-hmm. which is a, a British mob movie and from the seventies. That's um, set like around Good Friday and Easter, but it's funny. But it's Bob Hoskins in the foreground, and then behind him, there's a guy standing there with like a big '70s mustache. And I was like, "Coming soon, Super Mario the prequel or something." <laughs> That'd be amazing. Something like that. Yeah. But no, the other funny thing is like speaking of Bob Hoskins and seeing that and seeing Mario made me want, made me go back this week and watch Roger Rabbit. And really appreciate just how, what amazing piece of uh, filmmaking Roger Rabbit was to be made, like, in 1988. Mm-hmm. When, like, it's – to me, there's, like, better special effects in that than some of the live action – well, now it's CGI than we get now. But, uh, you know, speak – you know, when we talked about sort of Nintendo being protected of Mario, and I've heard somebody say this week, it's like, okay – Nintendo finally made a Mario movie. It's like, when is Disney finally going to make a Mickey Mouse movie? And it's like, it's like Mickey Mouse is more important to Disney as like its IP brand ambassador than to actually make a movie with Mickey. And plus, I guess Mickey has a television show on Disney now. So it's like, it's not like he's out of sight, out of mind, but it's like, you know, you just never think of, you know, I mean, you think of more Mickey Mouse, the character than like any sort of, movie or short that Mickey Mouse has ever been in other than probably Fantasia. Yeah, totally. It's a, and uh, you, you, I mean, yeah, actually, that's a good point because I guess when you look at Mario, like he is, you know, he's not just a mascot. He is starring in Nintendo's bread and butter, which is video games, you know? And, uh, you know, now they're expanding his role. Whereas it is interesting that, you know, Mickey has largely just been this corporate mascot, you know, outside of like the shorts, you know, the shorts and cartoons and, uh, now a theme park ride. And it does make me wonder, though, if Disney might, you know, I don't know if Disney cares all about this, but if you see an animated movie doing you know, half a billion dollars in, in just a, a little over a week, I feel like you have to be paying attention. I do wonder if they might be considering or reconsidering Mickey's role. They have been slowly expanding it more recently. As you touched on, he has a show now. Uh, he has a theme park ride, as I just mentioned. And I do wonder if, like, if they might explore making a movie now. Because he hasn't, I don't think he's ever had a full-length movie, or if he has, no one remembers it. Um, and, and that's shocking. Goofy had a movie. Mickey has not. And, of course, you know, there's, I've already seen some people speculate or, you know, comment at least, like, could they make, you know, Kingdom Hearts a reality now? I don't know if they would. That's probably a licensing nightmare with Square, but who knows? But it does make me wonder if they might reassess their relationship with Mickey and consider doing even more with them than they have. And I guess we'll just, uh, briefly touch in it now since we're talking about theme parks, but you've been to Nintendo World, the new the American Nintendo World that opened earlier this year. How was how was that? 
Oh man, that place is so cool. Uh, you know, I'm a huge theme park fan. Um, so having, finally having, this is, speaking of things I've been waiting for my entire life, this year's been so good for me, Mark. I don't think you realize how good this year's been for me. I'm getting my Mario movie. I got my Mario theme park that I've been waiting my entire life for, both of which I've been waiting my entire life for. And, uh, it's done really well. I'm really happy with how it turned out. Um, unfortunately, the, the one we got in Hollywood here is a little bit smaller than the one in Japan. They just didn't have as much room. With that being said, it's hard to notice. Like, they do a really good job of making the most of that space. Now, that does mean you only have one real ride being Mario Kart. Uh, but that ride's a complete blast. Like, I was, initially, I was a little disappointed with it because almost, there's like too much going on. There's Vayava. It's like a, uh, almost like a dark ride type thing. Uh, that's combined with a shooting ride that has an AR level, you know, AR goggles attached to it that uh, have just show a ton of things happening on screen at once or in your vision at once, I should say. Um, but once you once you get used to it, once you write, rewrite it, I'm like, okay, this ride is actually a lot of fun, especially when you better understand the mechanics and all that. And just seeing, again, Mario realized in a physical space uh, with that level of attention to detail, we have like animatronics hap- you know, moving all around you out in the open, which is something you rarely see. So like this, this land's kind of doing some new things that we almost never see where you just feel this, a ton of kinetic energy surrounding you as you would expect to be, as you would expect to see if you were in a Mario game. And it's just a ton of fun. So no, I did go during the preview session for, for press. So that might, you know, I didn't have to deal with lines too, too often. And so it was possible that I may have enjoyed it a little bit less had to deal, had to, if I had to deal with like the two hour lines that we're seeing now for the ride. But uh, yeah, I had a total blast uh, being there and um, I can't wait to go back one of these days. It is amazing just how, like you said, this year has been like everything's coming up Nintendo. Yeah. It's like between, like you said, the theme park finally opening here. I mean, since the one in Japan, had been open, but of course, people outside Japan couldn't even go to it for the longest time due to the pandemic restrictions. Right. You know, and now it's like, so that, now the movie, and the other thing that uh, we had talked about doing this pod sometime this week, and you had stuff to do earlier in the week, and I was like, well, let's just do Friday. And that was before we knew that we were getting this Zelda trailer yesterday. Yep. So it's good that we waited. Yeah, good timing. <laughs> because um this Zelda game has just been I don't when 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 was it like first? When did we first think we might get it like 2 years ago maybe? Like how long have we been officially waiting for it? Well, I think it was you that we got the first trailer back in 2019. So that's what four at least or about four years now that we've known of this game's existence and we've been waiting. Yeah, we, I, I think I don't think anyone expected we'd be waiting four years from that point. And it's now had a longer development cycle than even Breath of the Wild, which is crazy to me. Well, it's the thing where it's like I know how long I we had to wait for Red Dead Two, so it's like it, it seems like it's just the norm. Like right. not not these crazy long waits, but like. It's becoming, it seems like every week there's some video game IP that's being delayed, whether it's due to, you know, crunches or, I heard yesterday the, like the new DC game is again, like I think delayed until next year now. So that's, you know, it's, it's becoming, I guess as these games get bigger and bigger and it takes more and more to do that, you know, all these little things, you know, I had, um, the last pod we did, we were talking about No Man's Sky and and Starfield, and like you know, I mean, like how many times has Starfield been delayed now? Right. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A lot. So it's like we're finally, I guess, getting it in the fall. So, but uh, but Zelda, like you said, and of course the rumor for the longest time was that pre- that that Tears of the Kingdom was being delayed because they were going to launch it on the long rumored Switch Pro, the same way that Breath of the Wild launched on the Switch. Yeah, but that's so, been true. <laughs> but then, so then uh, that's not true. But yeah, so we finally got to see the trailer. And I think, importantly to a lot of people, we finally got an inkling of the plot, and it looks like it's going to be a crazy plot. Yeah, I, I still haven't fully made sense of what all we saw, but that you know what? I'm okay with that. Like, they finally showed off, you know, some cutscenes. Uh, they showed off more gameplay, and uh, it, I think they finally, like, they finally showed why this game is a sequel. You know, before this, we had the complaints of, oh, it's it could have been DLC. It's just an expansion. And I think this trailer was like, no. No, this is a full new game. Yeah, there may be the same world here, but it's changed a lot too. And, uh, and yeah, it really got me excited. Like, I was already excited. I was never on the train of it just being a DLC expansion. But now they're really, I think they really just stomped the argument to death. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot more going on here than we've been showing off at this point. And I can't wait. And I love to mark that. I feel like we still don't even fully really have a great grasp of what exactly this game is. Like, we better understand it now, but I feel like there's still a lot of questions I have. And that's fine with me. I'm like, you know what? I'm glad I don't know everything about this game. So, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm more excited than I have been before. And uh, that was just a great trailer overall. Yeah, I am I was sort of content. Though I, I really liked the last trailer where we got to see some of the game mechanics. Right. Oh, that, did you mean, do you mean the uh, showcase? Yeah, yeah. Now? Yeah. Yeah, the thing where we learned that you're building stuff and you're <laughs> right. fusing stuff and some weird stuff that you're – that like – you probably wouldn't have thought. I mean, I guess this is probably we learned that you're going to need to think outside the box for stuff. You know that you know you put you know you put something on an arrow. You know, I forget what what it was, but you put something on you fuse something with an arrow and you make it a homing arrow. Mm-hmm. You know, you build these vehicles with like engines and uh, thrusters, and we saw that in the new trailer that. Zelda or uh, Link has apparently built some kind of like tank thing that he's <laughs> going that he's going up against one of the rock creatures that has like a a camp on top of his head like right. it remi- like it reminds me of like the giant that was in Time Bandits that has like the big ship on his head it was <laughs> like and the, like you said and there's all this very I saw at least one video yesterday I don't know if you guys have put anything up today because I haven't been on the net very much. But uh, I know there was some theory about, okay, here's Ganondorf. Is it Ganondorf, and is it Ganondorf and Malice? And uh, we see Zelda in, you know, some sort of ceremonial outfit, and then there's right. someone that looks like Zelda but isn't Zelda. And then I saw a theory that this could be the goddess possessing Zelda. So you're yeah, getting... Hylia? Yeah, Hylia. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so you're getting this, like... Uh, Light God of Light and God of Malice fighting each other while possessing two of our normal characters. Right. I saw someone joking that like, you know, I forget, I forget what it was, but there, but like all these little again, I guess because Zelda has so much continuity to it, and people were explaining how when he's falling through the sky and he sees that one little temple thing, that's a reference to the temple that's in Skyward Sword, mm-hmm. and. One of the reasons that they released Skyward Sword HD this year 
or the end of last year was because it's going to tie in somehow to this, like with the continuity wise. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's as you know, uh, nerds are prone to re- to connect dots that aren't there and love. <laughs> Love taking like one minuscule Easter egg and then expanding a whole theory out of it. I feel but that, but, but <laughs> the, I'm, I trust me, I've been doing it longer than you have. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there's so many little tidbits in this trailer. Yeah, there are plus seeing all the ga- plus finally seeing some of the game mechanics that we didn't see in that showcase, you know, a, a month or two ago. That, you know, we see, it looks like there's going to be dungeons, there may be dungeons, it certainly appears that there's going to be some sort of, like, vast underground network based on people looking at the compass and seeing that the one, I think, I think you did a video on this yesterday, that it's it's like 150 feet underground, so we're, we're in caverns or something, plus we've got all these weird sky islands, you know, it's... There's yeah, like you said, there's there's so much more than it just being the you know the original Breath of the Wild world. Even when we saw like in Hyrule Warriors, you know they had made you know they had expanded sort of the geography of Breath of the Wild for like right. a couple of new places or whatever. This just completely blows that out of the water. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. I mean. It's to the point where, like, even though we know it exists in the same world, we even made a video comparing, like, it, how it looks now to then, um, to, you know, in Breath of the Wild. I, I was watching that trailer, and I, 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 that barely even registered for me that this is the same world. Like, so much of this game looks new and novel, and I'm so excited to try out these new mechanics that you were touching on. I think, Mark, the part, one of the parts that excited me the most, it's so silly, seeing that horse-drawn carriage, you know, with people inside it, I'm like, that's so cool! I love that you can build a carriage and literally carry people to and fro, and, you know, we don't even fully know, like, what was happening there. Like, it almost seems like you can, you can, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not equip, uh, bring people to your cause and make your own, like, little, your own little squad, you know, and you can go around Hyrule as this, like, little military, you know, squad thing and beating up <laughs> moblins. <laughs> well, we saw at the end, we saw some version of, like, the champions are back, although it appears to be sort of a different generation of them. Yeah, they're descendants, I think, yeah. That, uh, that we've seen in, I guess we've had two previous versions of all of these characters before. Right. And between Breath of the Wild and, and Hyrule Warriors that we've seen, like, like the bird guy and the rock guy and the desert lady and the fish people. Mm-hmm. I know people are, people are going crazy because they do not remember what they're all called. But <laughs> you know, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't know all the names either, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> But yeah, so it's cool to see all of them, and you know, then it's going to be—are they going to be companions? Are you going to have them with you? Are you going? You know, are you going to get to pick? We don't know. We don't know what the you know, if the divine beasts are still going to be around, and if they might have something to do with it. There, yeah, there's so much. There's so much we know, and there's still so much more we don't know. Yep. That it was like it was like a good kind of. I mean, like we joked about the trailers for the Mar- or for the Marion movie. It's like. I don't know if there was much in the plot of the movie that we didn't really already know before we saw it. It's like, okay, it's Bowser's collecting stars or a star. We knew that. Right. He's threatening Peach. Mary gets transported via the warp pipe. He has to train. 
They go to meet Donkey Kong. There's some Mario Kart stuff. And then I guess the only thing we didn't know was that they were going to end up back in Brooklyn for the final. Yeah, that for was the final. Like a- that that was the main thing we didn't know about, and I think the only the only plot point they kind of hit, and it's not really a, a major thing to hide, but they they also kind of like undersold that Bowser was less after the star and more after Peach. Like he's just obsessed with Peach, and they very carefully edited around that for the trailers to remove any lines that suggested that. Like we we thought, like I, at least for me, I thought that was maybe Peach is more of a way a means to an end, you know, to take over the kingdom. And no, he only cares about Peach in the movie. He only wants Peach. So. And then we get the I don't is is Bowser's white was Bowser's white tux was that before was that new for Mario Odyssey or had had, had they done that uh, before officially that was new for Mario Odyssey uh, I think we had seen we had technically seen Bowser in a wedding dress in the um, Mario comic that was part of Nintendo Power but that you know, I don't think that was ever officially canon or anything um, so yeah so that I think that was basically original to Mario Odyssey. And we did, and we saw we saw a couple of Mario Odyssey uh, Easter eggs in the movie too. The I know certainly like the desert world with the upside down pyramid. Mm-hmm. That like that, unless it's in some other game. But I I think of that as being for Mario Odyssey. Oh yeah, totally. That was definitely Mario. Yeah, Toast Arena for Mario Odyssey. Yeah. I guess. Uh, thanks again, Andre, for. Uh, for carving out some time. Like you said, I did not know how busy this week was going to be when we were originally talking about this. I guess the one thing I hate to, I hate to bring this up, but I have you here. So we're going to have to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, you apparently did not hate sticker star when you replayed it as much as you originally hated it. Even oh. since, since I was probably one of the main reasons you ended up playing it last year. Yeah, no, you definitely were. Yeah, you were driving force with that. And man, I just, why do you have to bring this up, Mark? This, it it hurts me to say, it hurts me to say anything not terrible about Sticker Star. And the fact I didn't hate it makes me upset the second time. And I think it's just because, like, you know, I, I hated it so much the first time. I think I burned through all my hatred. Like, I had no love to give. So, but no, legitimately playing it through the second time, when I, I think, I think there, there were two things that have changed. One, I've now seen the new tra- the new trajectory from for Paper Mario, which you know is Sticker Star, uh, Color Splash, and Origami King, and I've seen where it's gone, and I've ended up appreciating the later games. Uh, so I kind you know I didn't end up hating the direction it went in, even if I still prefer the original direction. But also there's a the fact that I think you know now that I knew what was coming, I wasn't gonna be surprised by how terrible some of the uh, gameplay elements were, and I was able to arguably better appreciate them for what they were this time. And I think, too, there's also an, an inherent factor when you stream something. It just kind of makes you know, even bad things more fun, you know, because you have the audience there. And when you get annoyed or aggravated, that almost enhances the stream, you know. Not that, you know, not that I go out of my way to be aggravated. But when I am, it's, you know, it's kind of entertaining itself. Um, but I have to say, playing it again, Mark, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it again the second time. I, I'm like, okay, I kind of see what they're going for here. You know, obviously still not, still not my preferred Paper Mario. There's still parts of that game I would say are definitively bad. Like, there are terrible ideas in there. But on the whole, it's no longer a terrible game. Um, so, yeah, that, that shocked me. And I hate admitting that because I enjoy hating that game much more than I enjoy liking it. <laughs> if that well, makes sense. One of the things I think you said when you were streaming it this time was that this was so long ago because this was for its 10-year anniversary. When you were playing it the first time, 
that you were one of the first people playing it and you couldn't, you had nowhere to go to like for help. Like, yeah. Cause you were one of the people people were, would end up be coming to for help. And since you're like one of the first people playing it, you had, to, you were playing it blind, which, you know, hardly, you know, nobody hardly ever plays video game blind anymore. Right. It's like, even if you play on like the first day, you could probably go on and somebody's already made a guide for it. Yeah, or at yeah, least, right. or, or or the important things, and and this is you know you used to do that in your in your past life before Game Explain, mm-hmm. you were one of those you were one of those help. What was it? Was it actually like a nine hundred line? Was it that long ago that people called Nintendo for help? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I actually had to do that as a kid. I had to call about um, the puzzle. I think in the second dungeon for Link's Awakening, where you're in a room with three different enemy types, see if they kill them in a certain order. I had no idea about that. So I couldn't figure out how to proceed. I had to call Nintendo, and they helped me out. So, yeah, basically, for as long as we've been alive, there's always been some way to get help. It's a little easier these days than they used to be. But, as you were saying, that didn't apply when you're a reviewer for a game, and you're literally one of the only people in the world playing it in that moment. And so I, you know, I, I had nowhere to go to help for, and there are parts of this game that are so freaking obtuse that, you know, it's like, how would you ever figure that out without knowing the solution? And I did. I don't know how I did it, Mark. Probably just from, like, sheer, you know, willpower of, like, powering through this game, trying every possible combination. But, you know, I figured out uh, the couple pl- – I had to figure out the couple places that I got stuck. And as you, I think, also mentioned, I had other reviewers coming to me, at least two other reviewers, asking me how to get part uh, past specific parts. And so I feel like by <laughs> – so it, it's difficult to – you know, I, I feel like it's hard to assess – um, you know, is it fair to judge a game on those merits when other people may have help, uh, you know, for those parts? Because, like, if I had if I had been playing a game casually, I would have been on Google or GameFAQs instantly. Like, hey, how do I get past this part? But I didn't have that as an option. And I can only review the game, you know, based on my experience of it. And in my initial playthrough, that sucked. That was not fun. And especially because it wasn't me missing something obvious, at least I don't think so. It was me just not you know, not knowing the solution to a very obtuse puzzle. And so that definitely weighed on my overall experience, um, you know, because that happened multiple times throughout the game, even to an extent, the final battle with the game, which is, you know, largely dependent on this very specific thing that they're looking for. And yeah, that definitely frustrated me back in the day. So so replaying it now, knowing the solutions to those puzzles or having help from the chat when I reach those parts, definitely um, like kind of helps smooth the edges of what are, what could be a very rough experience. Um, so yeah, people who didn't have to go through that don't know the true pain of Paper Mario Sticker Star. <laughs> and I guess since we're talking about Paper Mario, you you do not put any credence in this thousand year door remaster, right? You think this is internet speculation? I mean, it's the the idea, the core idea is not possible, but I don't put any stock into the specific rumor that's come out. It's like poorly sourced. It it seems to be like largely hearsay. I don't buy any of that. So I hope. You know, if it happens, great, I'll, I'm there for it. But this specific iteration of the rumor, yeah, I don't put any stock into it. So, you know, maybe it'll end up being something, but I think it's better to assume it's not and just, you know, hope it happens regardless. <laughs> which is which is disappointing because I think most people most people think Thousand Year Door is the best Paper Mario game. Right. And, I, and it's apparently insanely expensive to try and find if you want to get it, get up. You know, if you don't you know, go on the dark web and find ways to play it, like if you want to <laughs> – like if you want to try and actually find a copy, it's like hundreds of dollars, I think. Yeah, no, I think it's crazy expensive. I mean, a lot of GameCube games are, but I think that one in particular is on the more expensive side. 
And, uh, yeah, it, it sucks. There's no good way to play these games right now legally. And uh, besides owning the original hardware, and I'm hoping that Nintendo rectifies that someday, either with a you know, re-release or just bringing GameCube to Nintendo Switch online. That's something everyone wants. Hopefully that happens, and maybe that's the vehicle by which we get it. Well, I mean, look how long, I mean, we finally got the Game Boy games on Switch Online. Right. Which which had been rumored for, it seems like, a long time yeah. in, before that finally happened. Yeah, at least a year, a couple years, I think, even. So, um, yeah, so the fact that they're finally there, I mean, that, I mean, the next console, all they have left, if they go in order, is GameCube. So, I'm hoping that's what's next. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll be, you know, on the next Switch. I don't know, but I'm just hoping it happens at some point. But, and, you know, yeah, sorry, and, go ahead. Ozzy, and speaking of the year of Nintendo, we finally got Goldeneye. Yeah, heck yeah, one of the best multiplayer games of all time, and it's still fun, Mark. I don't know if you've played it much since it came out, but it's still fun, especially in multiplayer. Definitely. So, Andre, thanks again uh, for finding some time. Like we said, it's been busy. Um, you, uh, you, you guys had some Zelda stuff uh, yesterday at the trailer released. I assume the analysis machine is going to be working overtime on that trailer in the next couple of days. I think uh, I think it should be coming out today. Tris has been hard to work at it, and we should have our analysis out uh, pretty soon, I think. So Cool. And like you said, that's only a month away, so people can look forward to your coverage of that coming up uh, in the near future. Anything else you want to plug before we go? Uh, no, I think it covered it. I mean, we, we've just been hardcore on the Mario movie and now Zelda train. So if you like either of those, make sure to check out our channel at Game Explain. Um, otherwise, it's been a ton of fun talking with you, Mark, about this, because it's been a... It's been a very exciting time for me recently, and I love talking about any chance I get, especially with uh, uh, you know, uh, awesome people like yourself. Thanks a lot, Andre. Everybody, check out the stuff they're doing over at Game Explain, and we will talk to everybody next time. Clean your hands in the air, stop your feet on the ground, climb up the ladder, and